Hey, if you're checking out this week's podcast, it means you're likely looking to lead your team a little bit better. Maybe you're a church staff member and you're leading teams that oversee ministry, strategic planning, or your next hire. Maybe you're an elder and you're leading a committee or you're overseeing staff reviews or you're organizing a handful of events at your church this year. Or maybe you could be a volunteer tasked with leading an offsite outreach project or your church's youth group. No matter what type of or size of team that you lead or what they're tasked with, I bet that somewhere along the way you've run into a couple of leadership hurdles. So today we're going to tackle a few of those and talk about how to help out. So if you're interested in leading your team a little bit better, then stick around because the Church Helper podcast starts right now. Hey there and welcome to another edition of the Church Helper Podcast. Our mission here at Church Helper is to help churches make every decision on purpose. My name is Mike and I'm excited to help you and your church today by talking about four things you'd likely face while leading a team and how to overcome the challenges that they bring. So without too much more, let's dive right into it. Four things to think about when leading your team well. Number one, lead the team you have. There are so many different leadership books that encourage you to try various leadership styles and strategies. For example, some will tell you to be more assertive. Uh, Some will tell you to be more of a delegator. Some leadership principles say that you shouldn't give all the answers before you ask 10 questions. And other leadership strategies say that you should provide people with all of the answers and a clear path forward right away. And you know, in context, every one of those leadership styles is pretty good If you have a team full of dreamers, you absolutely need to make sure that you ask a lot of questions and give them a lot of time to develop and get their thoughts out there. If you have a team that's primarily doers, then maybe giving them clear-cut instructions with minimal input is the way that they'll react best. And if you have a team that's a mixed, you'll need to mix those principles knowing that some things will miss, some leaders and others will hit. But the mistake that I think a lot of people, including myself, make is that they lead the way that they think they're supposed to lead. And I wish I could make that more tangible of a thought, but really it's kind of more of just a feeling. Because so many people in leadership have a sense or an idea of the right way to do it because of a book they've read or a leader they follow. But so often the thing that gets left out of the equation when deciding how to uh, choose a leadership style is your team's personality. And I did this just a few years ago. I was trying to become a leader that was less hands-on and more of a delegator. I changed my meeting styles. I asked more open-ended questions. I even sat back and watched things fail on purpose, hoping that people would notice. But in the end, it just wasn't working out. And I blamed my leadership style. I must have been doing something wrong. If only I could teach these concepts better or empower people better than it would have worked. But it wasn't until I looked back that I realized my biggest mistake was actually poorly identifying my team's personality. They weren't a group of creatives that wanted a lot of freedom in decision making. They wanted to be a part of the process, but they didn't want too much autonomy because that actually overwhelmed them. I was trying to lead the way I thought I was supposed to, instead of looking at my team's strengths and leaning into those instead. So idea one is simple. Choose a leadership style that's congruent to the personality of your team. And if you do that, you'll have a better chance of success no matter what style of leadership you choose. In other words, lead the team that you have. Number two, know their strengths. Knowing your team's strengths 
may seem like a no-brainer, but learning your team member's strengths does take a little bit of work and intentionality. And the biggest thing that I see happen is that a strength is often misidentified because they're mistaken for either knowledge or passion. The reality is a strength is a combination of the two. And when we only look at one side or the other, we can often put a team member in a position that they're either not well equipped for or they're not passionate about. For example, I enjoy doing sound and lighting at events. I love the feeling of being behind a console, setting up equipment, talking to the band, moving a camera around. It's a lot of fun. And if I get to be a tech member for a couple of days now and again, I have a good time. When I was in my 20s, I even started a small business with my friend Jer, trying to do more work just like that. But if I'm honest with you and myself, I'm just not very good at it. I might know a little bit more than the average person, but as much as I really try to understand EQ bands and DMX lighting packs and streaming encoders, all that stuff just doesn't seem to stick in my brain. I get a little better here and there, but I'm really not at the level of knowledge that many people would be comfortable with in trusting me with that stuff. I know enough to complete the task, but they're just not a strength of mine, and it's probably not something I'm gonna get that much better at than I already am. Now, despite knowing that about myself, I've been put in leadership over those areas quite a bit because from the outside, people assume that I'm good at it. And when push comes to shove, I do an okay job, uh, but I'm not sure that I did that much better than somebody else who would have done it when it was actually inside their wheelhouse. In contrast, I've also met people who are good at understanding the technical aspect of sound and lighting that just don't enjoy doing it. Uh, they'll do it because they're most suited for the role in knowledge, but if you ask them, they'd probably rather be doing something else. The band sounds good, cues don't get missed, but nothing else about the role is really fulfilling. It's not a strength. And eventually placing a person in a position that isn't a strength of theirs does become a weakness. And here's why all this is so important. When a leader misidentifies a person's strengths and puts them in charge of something, expectations get set. Unfortunately, because of a misidentified strength, expectations become unrealistic from the start. And when expectations are off, then outcomes aren't what you expect them to be. And when outcomes aren't what you expect them to be, leaders get disappointed. And I've seen many leaders, and this includes me, get disappointed at a result or get down on themselves because of an outcome that was never going to happen in the first place. So how do you make sure that doesn't happen? How do you find the strengths of your team? Well, I would suggest using a tool like the Clifton Strength Finder. It's not a personality test like an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs. It's designed to identify what your team members are best at. And if you're curious about this, you can reach out to us. We can point you in the direction of some best practices or we can help you through it. We love to bring churches through exercises like this. And every time we do, it's incredible that people who have worked with each other for sometimes 10 years learn about their team and learn about themselves and learn all of a sudden why certain decisions get made. So dig into one of those. We've put the links together here for you and contact us if you want a little bit of help through it. Number three, know the difference between urgent and excitement. Hey, have you ever noticed how something that you're excited about always seems to find its way onto your to-do list maybe a little bit earlier than it should? How many times as a leader have you had uh, you know, a moment where you've come up with a new idea and then the rest of the day's tasks kind of just get shoved aside because you decide to work on that instead? Now, if you're anything like me, the answer would be a lot of days. And when you're working by yourself, this isn't that bad because it's your schedule and you can maybe decide to put in extra hours in an evening or a weekend to work on something that's really kind of got you excited. 
But when it comes to your team, something new or fun can quickly turn into something that they feel stressed about, that's something that needs to get done right away. And unless you're solving an immediate problem, most ideas or new projects really aren't that urgent. The problem that you'll run into here is, is easy to spot because your team likely has their own to-do lists or deadlines. They don't always understand why something that wasn't on their radar 20 minutes ago just shot up to the top of their priority list of most important things to do. And getting something dropped on their desk that they weren't expecting can be really frustrating for a team member that thought that they had a handle on their day so far. So now that team member needs to pivot to something that they weren't thinking about at all and they're feeling a little bit flustered. And if you think about it, you know or have talked to people that feel this way because at some point you've had a friend that said, I don't know what it's going to be this week, but at some point I'm going to get a call or I'm going to get an email and my boss is going to throw my whole week off. And when your team feels that way, they start to tense up whether they know it or not. They're always waiting for the next shoe to drop and they have trouble focusing on the work they're trying to do right now. The prevention of this is pretty simple. It just starts with you. Make sure that you have an excellent filter process for the things that you're excited about. I'm not saying don't get on your passion project. I'm just saying make sure the timing makes sense for you and for your team. And the best way to do this is to just have somebody that you trust that you can bounce the ideas off of. Somebody that has the strength to say to you, that's a great idea, but it really probably could wait a couple weeks because even though you're excited, it's just not urgent. Number four, leaders eat last, but they still eat. The concept of leaders eat last isn't a new one, but it was popularized by the 2014 Simon Sinek book with that title. And in the book, Sinek tells stories of businesses and organizations that have teams that lead really, really well together. He highlights the importance of developing empathy, making sure you're fostering an environment of encouragement, allowing for autonomy, and the idea of bringing great collaborators together. And you can see the theme throughout the book. Think about your team before you think about yourself. And this really is the best way to leave a team. And I would suggest grabbing a copy of this book if you haven't read it before, it's pretty good. Now sometimes leaders, especially church leaders, they have this misguided need to suffer for the sake of other leaders almost as a badge of honor. And I've been guilty of this too. You run an event all day and realize you didn't stop to take a break or eat a hot dog or get out of the sun. Or you're running a retreat and you feel like you need to be the one that's up till three in the morning uh, planning for the next day. Or maybe you've gone five hours without going to the bathroom because you've justified it by just saying, ah, I just don't have the time. Everybody else is busy. And I'm here to say not taking care of yourself in leadership can be just as bad as not taking care of your team because eventually you're gonna burn out and it's gonna trickle down to them anyways. And I'm sure somebody needs to hear this today so I can't say it loudly enough. Yes, you should put your team first, but just because you're at the back of the buffet line doesn't mean you shouldn't be in the line at all. Make sure you take some time to care for your team, but then make sure you take the time to care for yourself. You don't need to be a hero or to suffer to be a great leader. Hey, hopefully today's podcast helped you out a little bit. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast or our YouTube channel. And if you think somebody needs to hear this content today, but they just are having a little bit of trouble finding their internet browser, you can go to the website for them, churchhelper.ca/podcast, print out a transcript of today's episode and give it right to them. Make sure that you go back and you check out the series that we just finished called Get to Know Your Staff. It was all about how elders and staff can empathize with each other and work better together as a team. 
And of course, if you've ever got any questions for us, please, please reach out to us either through email at hello at churchhelper.ca or you can go to the Get Help Today tab of our website and do it that way too. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to help your church make every decision on purpose today. I'm Mike, and I'll talk to you again really soon.